Does it count as recording if we don't fuck up the clap sync at least once? No. <laughs> and we do that just to piss Joseph off. And now Joseph will be listening to all of this on the edit, so... Yay. <laughs> Screw you, Joseph! I've never met. Thank you for editing. Hey, listeners, go on Johnny Carson and join a renaissance fair for six months, because today we're talking about Rick and Morty, Season 4, Episode 8, the Vat of Acid episode. I'm your host, Brandon, joined by... Toby. And our special guest today on the podcast, Mr. Andrew Urban. Andrew, how's it going? Alive, I think, so can't complain. Isn't that the only reason to complain, though? <laughs> well, I like it because you couldn't complain if you were dead, so it, it's kind of a circular. Fair enough. <laughs> All right, so the Vat of Acid episode, uh, written by our mixed feelings writer, Jeff Loveness, and somebody new <laughs> named Albro Lundy. I don't think I've ever heard of this person, and I cannot find them on IMDb. That sounds like a name two kids who are, like, on each other's shoulders in a trench coat would say when they're asked <laughs> for their ID at a strip club. I don't know. Aldo D. It's also because at one point in the episode, Morty was trying to do exactly that to get into a porno theater. So it, it ties in nicely. Ah. Right before he meets the girl. What actually happened? I, I like, don't remember this episode that well. He was uh, either about to go into a porn house or, or coming he, out of. Yeah. Or he was coming out of. Right before he meets the girl of his dreams. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah. So if you want him, go meet the girl of your dreams, listeners. Go see porn. Go see porn in a in a theater. That hasn't yes. worked for me so far, but I'll keep at it, damn it. <laughs> well, well, you never know if you don't keep trying. I did meet Pee Wee Herman once, so that was fun. Ew. Toby, Andrew, initial thoughts on this episode. I love the Renaissance lambskin condom joke. That got me, for sure. <laughs> it took me, I didn't get it until the second time I watched it. I was like, oh yeah, because they didn't have latex. <laughs> so that, that got me. Also, just like the list of atrocities implied by the protest signs at the end. Like, Morty killed a whale, he put on blackface, and like 16 other horrible things we never see. So those were my two, I think, favorite bits from the episode. What did he do to piss off Justice Sotomayor? We'll never know. Why specifically Justice Sotomayor? <laughs> that was pretty funny. <laughs> Toby, what, what did you think of this episode? I think this episode is is like a, a microcosm of what the writers have been doing wrong lately. <laughs> <laughs> seasons one through three, Rick and Morty, and even a little bit of, of this season so far, I would say like the first episode, they made a good effort to put Rick in situations that actually challenged him in some way, or at least appeared to, but this episode, the, the story is like, he's the most powerful person in the universe, the, the smartest he has access to, like, basically limitless technology, and he invents this contrived, like, vat of acid thing to, like, escape from three mafia idiots. This episode, I will say, was a lot stronger on the jokes. There was plenty of really funny stuff in it, a lot of which I don't remember. <laughs> but I will say that the story in this episode and what we've seen a lot of this season is just, it feels kind of like a spec script to me. I mean, I hate to say that, but that's kind of how it has felt to me. 
I liked it for the anti-lesson and for, like, Rick being kind of hypocritical because basically the structure of the episode is he creates a giant reset button for himself, but he makes Morty face consequences while he doesn't. And he uses the universe jumping as a de facto kind of reset button. So I liked how there was kind of the anti-lesson and Rick was being hypocritical the entire time. Uh, so I thought that was kind of a fun poking at Rick's worldview eating itself. I agree with both of you. I agree with Toby that the joke of this is the smartest being in the universe three mafia idiots well guess we got to jump into a vat of acid if they were facing off a gigantic army as opposed to three sopranos ripoffs i would see the need to jump into a vat of acid and fake your own death a lot more than three schmucks i saw it as rick had the idea for a vat of acid and he wanted to use it so he was like just waiting for any situation where he had an excuse to use the idea and Morty picked up on that, and that's what pissed him off, which led to him having to teach him a convoluted lesson of never question me. See, it would have been great if that joke were, like, brought forth and, like, really clear that, like, Rick actually didn't give a shit about if that, this deal went well. He actually was kind of hoping it failed so that he could use his vat of acid joke. That would have been so fucking funny. Yeah, I kind of saw that as, like, them riffing on the writing process a little bit, too, where he had an idea and he was just going to shoehorn it in and he didn't care and he wouldn't hear any notes about it. Like, I think that was kind of what he was doing. Andrew, I love having you on, but this is the one part of this episode where I'll say that I kind of wish Joseph was here because Joseph hated the exact episode that I think had the same lesson as this one, which was the heist episode. The heist episode had the exact same lesson of Rick is trying to convince Morty of something. So he's going to create this entire convoluted situation in order to force him to acknowledge that he was right. And to be honest, I wish this episode had happened instead of the heist episode in that regard or had come first because I think this episode got to that a lot better and a lot funnier. I'd agree with that. I think also the heist episode I'd put in the category of getting so meta that it just like kind of falls apart. That's what annoyed me in the story episode recently. It was so obsessed with eating tropes that it dissolved the plot. It crawled up its own ass. Yeah, it just ate itself. Well, if you thought that episode did that, boy, do I have a story on a train for you. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I, I, I put that in the, like, it crawled up its own ass kind of category of episodes, which are fun, but, like, you only really need one a season, not three a season. Mm -hmm. I will say this is definitely one of my... Honestly, this is probably my favorite episode so far this half season, I guess. I thought in a lot of ways it was... You know, the story was better than it had been, and there were more jokes that made me laugh pretty hard. Honestly, for a second, I thought you were going to say this was your favorite because you don't remember most of it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not Joseph, for fuck's sake. <laughs> One thing it made me think about is like an argument I've had with friends in the past, which is like in a video game when there are no consequences, why do you still usually act like the good guy even though you don't have to? Or why do you wait for traffic lights in Grand Theft Auto? Yeah, or like why do you play the Paragon in a game when you could be a dick and there's no consequences? And I think it's interesting that Morty immediately became the hugest dick possible. And usually does. Like as soon as Morty gets even a tiny bit of power, he always goes mad with it, right? Oh yeah. He's the everyman who, in all of us, who would absolutely abuse the shit out of any power he got. Yeah, same with the like, he can see his death crystal, same with, uh, it happens over and over and over again. Anytime you give Morty a, a tiny bit of power, he goes completely nuts with it. Speaking of referring to past episodes, the whole consequence here is, well, you're not actually setting a reset on your timeline, you're just hopping to another timeline and eviscerating a version of yourself. The prestige. Yeah. <laughs> Morty, 
He did that in Rick Potion number nine in season one, and it led to them having to bury themselves in the backyard. It is the most traumatizing moment in Morty's life. And that hasn't been erased. That hasn't been erased. And it's this huge moment that we keep coming back to. So why the fuck didn't we come back to it in this episode when he literally destroys himself? He literally has evaporated himself like over 90 times by using this reset button. Why was this not contextualized in the same way as that episode was? Because I felt like we didn't go into like the trauma that that brought and all the humor that comes with it. I think it's because he reset the reset, right? Like, Rick reset the reset at the end. So, like, Rick gets resets without consequence, but Morty doesn't. Which I think is interesting. (laughs) Unless you fuck with squirrels. Yeah, yeah. Also, (laughs) I think, isn't there, like, a finite amount of times they can do that, he says at some point? So, like, they burned, like, like, 90 realities. Or at least they burned one reality on something dumb. I guess at the end he's like, well, I I really like this reality. I I didn't want to burn it. I guess in retrospect, it's kind of funny that Rick is like, hey, look, the only solution is for you to do the vat of acid bit again, and then they just (laughs) jump to a different dimension anyway. Oh, yeah, because it's not about, like, actually fixing the problem. It's about Morty affirming Rick. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Also, I think at the beginning of the episode, he's like, there's no good or bad ideas. And I think you could extend that to Rick being like, there's no good or bad. It's like in the how and the why you do it. So like the vat of acid didn't work in that situation. He shoehorned it in. So then he created an entire situation where a vat of acid was the only solution. And he's like, see, in this situation, vat of acid's right. It's not the, it's not the vat of acid. It's the situation and how you're using it, which I think is like kind of could be expounded to like Rick's worldview as there is no good or evil. It's, it's all in the how and the why. I did absolutely love like, uh, Morty just keeps saying, God damn it, as he was like walking up to the vet. <laughs> so he's just standing there, like, God damn it. <laughs> Why do you have to be right? I know that that moment where you like have to accept something that you don't want to accept and you're just furious about it. it... I genuinely wonder, like, because Rick puts Morty in. Maybe not situations quite this directly, but there's a general flavor to these situations where it's just like, I'm right, now you have to fucking humiliate yourself for me. And I just wonder at what point Morty will just be like, fuck you, I'd rather just die. I'd rather just, like, get ripped apart by this crowd than jump in this stupid vat of acid. That's gonna be an interesting episode when they do it one day. If they do it Maybe that's the evil Morty episode. Yeah, we've been waiting for that one for a while. If I could guess, I bet you Dan Harmon will never pay it off because people expect him to, so he won't. They were like, well, we were just waiting for evil Morty to come and come and come and he'll just never show up. Or the solution will be Jesus Christ. The show will get so meta that the 70th episode that they renewed will just be them cutting to the writer's room it'll be a close-up on dan Harmon's cartoon face like oh you want us to pay us off this off fuck you <laughs> and then that's the end they're kind of getting so meta it blows up and they use jesus happened in community too with the messianic uh episode like you know where abed creates a movie and it becomes so meta that the- i love that bit i love that episode so much <laughs> but like dan Harmon's used the idea of jesus being the ultimate meta story once before which i think is kind of funny <laughs> uh, Toby, have you seen that episode? No, I haven't. Abed, the self-referential character, just like starts making a movie and then he just gets so obsessed obsessed with it and just starts getting super meta and saying, no, life is the movie. <laughs> and it just keeps getting worse and worse until he believes he's Jesus. Um, my favorite part of that is he finally watches the movie that he's made. He goes and sits outside, looks up at the sky and says, Lord... My movie is the worst piece of crap I've ever seen in my life. (laughs) (laughs) As screenwriters, how well do you relate to that? Every day I write. Yeah. 
Well, I think it's also like the danger of meta. You know what I mean? Like, and I like this episode better because it had those meta things without eating itself, which is what I like classic Rick and Morty. What I liked about it. Yeah, that's true. No, you're absolutely right. This felt more like a Rick and Morty story. Like my notes are not in the overall story. They're in like the small details. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like there was still what the story didn't eat itself. The story still stood up, but like it could be an extended metaphor for the writing process and an unwillingness to take notes or like not killing your dog. Like it works very well as an extended metaphor for storytelling, but it also exists as a story in its own right, which I think is like the thing classic Rick and Morty seasons one through three did really well. And mm-hmm. I think they're like back in that arena with this episode. Also, Jesus Christ, they went with up. They did the up like montage of living a life. That's it's still so funny. I mean, they literally use the same music as like the opening from up. <laughs> Just, it was five minutes long with no dialogue. That's kind of masterful to pull off in general. So I like it's it. hard. Yeah, it's hard, and it was all for like one bit where Jerry fucks things up. I'm like, I'm like literally not remembering this at all. It's the whole sequence where he like he meets the girl. They like end up falling in love like oh, in the middle of like the reset oh, sequence, okay. and it all gets fucked up because he literally like <laughs> won't like press the reset button because then he won't have her anymore, and like just tries to like make the phone call, and then they're all happy uh, together and happy again, and then Jerry like accidentally presses the reset remote rather than the tv remote and it just end, undoes everything it's a five minute yeah I, it's been a while since i've seen up so i i don't remember the beginning montage that you're referencing but yes that makes a lot of sense how do you not remember the beginning montage of up it literally traumatizes everyone that <laughs> to quote summer i get traumatized for breakfast bitch. <laughs> it's like the motto of our generation Well, uh, I like that sequence a lot, too, especially because every single one of my adult relationships has ended in forced cannibalism, so I found it pretty (laughs) (laughs) good. What, none of them were voluntary? Like, auto-cannibalism? Forced. It it was, you know, the situation forced it. Let me just say, you do not want to be the first person to suggest cannibalism. You want to be the (laughs) second guy. Trust me, it gets weird quick. You heard it here first, Alex Jones. (laughs) Be the second guy to suggest cannibalism. Don't be the first. But what if he could be the second and the first? That's meta, bro. Like you, uh, <laughs> like you mo- put a motion to the floor and then you second your own motion. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's like a Ted Cruz move. Yeah, I was gonna say we shouldn't let Republicans hear this if they know it's possible to try. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, Andrew, we talked about this uh, uh, last week. Did you have you watched all of Solar Opposites? No, I just I only watched like the first two episodes because like I, we talked about this in private. It throws me off that it's Rick's voice, and I keep expecting him to be Rick, and I like I can't square that psychologically. It keeps fucking me up when I try to watch it. I'm like, you know, but Rick, but just mm, I haven't gotten to that where I can like watch it and dissociate between the voice. That's under- understandable for me it's like it's like different enough that i didn't struggle with that too much but it's still like pretty noticeable that it's justin roiland doing like that gruff voice it's a type a high anxiety anal alien as opposed to a drunken genius inventor yeah i just i feel like it wouldn't have been hard to get someone else to do the voice and then i wouldn't have this problem but whatever (laughs) i'm not like employed in this field so what do i know (laughs) There was one joke that I do want to talk about I didn't really like on this episode. It's the Jessica joke. Uh, the joke where, he, uh, like, when he first discovers the reset button and he, like, approaches Jessica and says, Hey, Jessica. She goes, Oh, hey, Morty, and, wa- and walks away. So he resets and then just, like, pr- 
pretends to ignore her and then it's like oh you're jessica right and she's just immediately like melts in his hands for a show that like two weeks ago was trying to tell us like see we did a bit about the begdal test we're self-aware now it felt like a complete reversal of that but not like in an aware sense if they're trying to do it like in a meta way they weren't leaning into it enough it just felt like uh this feels like a cheap joke I saw there also kind of, there was an inverse of that joke also when after Jerry resets the timeline, he goes up to someone who he genuinely knows and loves, but he's so confuddled and confused that he ends up getting maced. So I do think there is kind of like an inverse of that joke in the episode too, where like Jessica's this object of desire for Morty and he doesn't see her as a real person, but he does get to know a real person and then he, you know, like, so I think there was kind of the opposite joke also was made. Fair point, fair point. That moment reminded me also of 50 First Dates when he's like trying to like reignite the relationship every time and she's just, every single time he just can't hit the note right. So she just keeps telling him to fuck off. That, that joke actually made me laugh really hard where he like, he goes back up to her, but like pauses, uh, pauses reality at the wrong time or goes into the video game at the wrong time. So he just like keeps resetting and getting maced in the face. <laughs> there is like a, an interesting question. Like if he didn't get maced in the face, could he actually fall in love with someone having already done it? Like they already know each other. There's no discovery. That's an interesting thing they did, could have dived into is like, could you fall in love a second time? If you already knew everything about a person and they knew nothing about you. It's a thought experiment I've had before. Interestingly enough, I think there's like there's a rom-com about that. I don't remember what it's called. I just remember that I saw it in a theater on a very bad date when I was a freshman in college. And I think it starred Channing Tatum or another muscly white dude. But point being, yes, it, it, it is a super interesting thought experiment. Yeah, like, to what point is, like, originality or something being the first time necessary to our experience of it? Also, we never got her name. We never got a name or anything for her, which (laughs) is kind of hilarious. That is a great point. I mean, Um, for a show that had to make a specific bit to pass the Bechtel test, I feel like it's not surprising. (laughs) It's very funny, uh, but also her, like, running back to him, like, when the timelines have been combined and it not working out is, that made me laugh a lot. I thought that was kind of sad. Oh, it absolutely was. That's why I laughed. There. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like for all these horrible consequences, he did one thing right and he doesn't even notice. And then loses uh, it yeah. anyway. Are there any specific bits you guys want to talk about from this episode that we haven't already covered? What did he do to the whales? <laughs> I need to know. Wait, even more. What did he do to the elderly people? The AARP was there to kill him too. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus, Morty, the AARP? I don't want to talk about it. (laughs) Yeah, like, yeah, he becomes a monster every time you give him a little bit of power. Which kind of makes Rick seem not as bad, you know, because Rick's only a monster occasionally. I feel like that's only a product of, like, he's been such a monster for so long that he's just, like, bored now and, like, only does it when he feels like it. That's fair, too. Rick Sanchez only does genocide when he feels like it. Well, that was kind of like last episode. He's like, well, I finally had an excuse to really go hog wild on a people (laughs) because of their biology. And then the whole episode's about overcoming biology. (laughs) And from the last episode, the power suit sequence was definitely gratuitous. Yeah, but not, not as gratuitous as the Purge episode. Yeah, I think it was like referencing that episode too, like... Yeah, well, the Purge episode is just so good that I was just like, eh, you, you, 
I appreciate the Gundam suit shit, but also y'all did this bit already, and it was better then. Yeah, I also think there's like a sub-lesson Rick was teaching Morty, which is like, no matter what you do, you can regret it, which is kind of like one of my favorite Kierkegaard quotes. It's long, but the summary of the quote is basically, you can do this or you can do that, but either way, you learn to regret it. And like, Morty learns to regret things even without consequences, so it's like a, regret is like a fixed point of human psychology, and there's like, independent of action, which I think was interesting, because like, he gave Morty a choice, but he knew that he, Morty would regret the choice no matter what he did. Also, Toby, I see you with a shit-eating grin <laughs> we, listening we, to this. I, I'm looking I, at you with the same shit-eating grin. We're both thinking of the exact same <laughs> fucking joke. I know we are. From it's Ted. the same joke from Ted of there's a shit on my floor, or is the floor on the shit, as Kierkegaard would say. <laughs> so thank you, Andrew, for giving us a very intelligent philosophical point, and thank you, Toby, for helping me destroy it. That was a really interesting thing to say, and I think far more philosophical than we usually get on this show, and Brandon and I have ruined it, so... <laughs> I, I honestly, I, I feel like no philosophical point should be three or four sentences away from a shit joke. I think that's that's generally. <laughs> that's why I love Rick and Morty. I like to call back to the pickle. It's just like, I did pickle Rick. What have you ever done? And, but like pickle Rick was ostensibly the time he was the most pointless. Just like, what, what, what more do you want to this? I'm a pickle and 9-11 was an inside job? Was it? Who cares? <laughs> Who cares? I'm a pickle. They reference 9-11 a lot, actually, now that you're you're mentioning it. They reference it in this one. They referenced it in the last episode. Last episode was a more, uh, I don't want to say poignant 9-11 reference, but it was a more substantive one, we'll say. I thought that was one of the funnier bits they've done <laughs> yeah. ever, was the 9 No, I think we're above hitting the top. Like, they've wrecked yeah. the whole society. But, like, no. These two towers, we're not gonna do it. We're better than that. Also, this is an unrelated question, but when did Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers, come out, and was there ever a conversation about changing the title if it was after 9 11? Uh, These are the random thoughts that I have. 2002. There was definitely a conversation about changing that, t that title. I loved the Johnny Carson joke. That was fucking funny. Yeah, I, honestly, I think that that is. Probably been the joke that made me laugh the hardest this half season so far. I don't know what it is, but just like a a reanimated Johnny Carson that's like clinging to life by a thread, finishing up a show and asking, like begging for death is just so fucking funny to me. Whoever wrote that bit has clearly watched a ton of Carson because those jokes were very on brand for Carson. Like, I guess I'll be having ass flambe. <laughs> <laughs> I also like that the guy who was impervious to acid had some other kind of issue and immediately went way too insane with it. In the same way Morty goes way too insane, as soon as he has a tiny bit of power, the other regular guy also went insane if he had a tiny... <laughs> which is like the most useless superpower of all time, too. Like, <laughs> impervious to acid is almost useless. Yeah, I thought that was actually pretty funny that, like, he gets splashed with acid and his first thought is, hey, that's not acid, it's, I'm a god! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That also, his reaction of just like, oh yeah, I'm a god, fuck you, fuck you, here's my ass, and we just started like <laughs> waving it around. That was the point where I was like, okay, I feel Justin Roiland in this joke. <laughs> I also like how Rick like 
pre-plan for a ladle and all of these like impossible things that nobody would ever check or as ever checked in any movie but like no he brought extra bones he brought like an acid gun to shoot at the ladle I like Rick's like over preparedness for absurd possibilities that would never happen especially for this completely pointless bit that he's doing yeah and like you said I feel like I get I got the feeling the whole episode that like Rick had this bit he wanted to do and he was just determined to do it no matter what also this thing you're doing is called reverse psychology and and incels did it invent it Bugs Buddy did <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah that 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 made me laugh pretty hard yeah the jokes on this one were pretty strong yeah I think last episode had my favorite jokes of this half season thus far what the 9-11 joke among others yes <laughs> Among other among the Pearl Harbor jokes. Oh, yeah, well, we just did a Pearl Harbor. That's fine. Like, like Pearl Harbor is absolutely fine. In well, sorry, I did a 9-11 Pearl Harbor before breakfast, but... <laughs> Serious question. We have seen three episodes from this half season thus far. Have we seen any footage in the first trailer for this half season that has not been covered? Uh... Did the wolf thing happen yet? Yep. It was in the what's whatever the fuck we're calling it. The the train wreck episode. The miscarriage. <laughs> Yeah, the miscarriage. That's a great name. Like I said, I think that episode is like they took the flaws of the show and doubled down on them until the show exploded. They took all the flaws of the show, put it in like a a giant cauldron, and then just boiled it down and reduced it to its essence. All good shows, I think, have flaws, but I think that was just an episode of like, we know what they are, and we're just going to dial them up to 11 so you can go fuck yourselves. And like part of me liked that, and part of me was annoyed by it. As Brandon will tell you, I'm like strongly pro meta joke, but that even that like just it just took it too far. Yeah, like I said, I love meta stuff, but there still needs to be like a story for the meta stuff to hang on. Otherwise, by itself, it's nothing. It just dissolves. Exactly. I think the meta jokes in early Rick and Morty where Rick at the end of the show would be like, "All right, that's our show. That's all, folks." were so funny because you'd watch like an amazing science fiction animated comedy episode and you'd be like holy shit that was great and then they end it with like a little fuck you i love that the flea seeks box is still my one of my favorite of those <laughs> they finally gave a shout out to futurama which they like oh yes. and and or the reset button which was the last episode of futurama i was like oh finally you at least acknowledge that yep wait they had two references to futurama the floating armchair which uh, the professor rides around, and the reset button. Yeah, but uh, Futurama, I think, holds up really well as an animated show. Even, I rewatched some of them recently. Even, like, 10 years, 20 years old, some of those episodes still hit. I like that they gave a shout-out to the other animated sci-fi show that exists. Still, my all-time favorite joke from that show is, Oh, look who suddenly cares about altering the past, Mr. I'm My Own Grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> I need to rewatch a lot of Futurama. That show is... Well, me and my youngest brother, like, were religious about it as children. So, like, and we keep we rushing it. It's because it's a great show to just, like, have on in the background when you've seen it a thousand times. So, like, we kind of can speak mostly in Futurama references if we don't want people to understand what we're saying. Mm. So, like, I, I rewatch it maybe once a year and it holds up really well. Like, better than hey. Simpsons episodes from the same time. Oh, my God. Do the children do all the work? Not the whipping. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So we've discussed this episode, the jokes that we loved, the jokes that we didn't love, etc. Next episode is called Childrick of Mort. We're getting real lazy with these titles. Um, <laughs> what do you mean getting? They've been lazy with the title since day one. Yeah, that was always kind so, of a bit. But yeah, but at least there were some fun ones. Uh, well, actually, you know what? Vat of Acid episode is the epitome of getting lazy with the titles. <laughs> 
Interesting that they did like a, the title sequence a little different, where they like lingered and they were just like it fades in the vat of acid episode. When I was watching it, I, I was thinking of you, Brandon, just loving the pretentious screenwriter bit. Was this episode? Wow, it was literally called the vat of acid episode, like in mm-hmm. the episode title. That's exactly how I would refer to it if I couldn't remember the name of the episode. So like, it works well. Well, yeah, but that's like saying that the friends trope of naming every single episode, like the one where this happens or the one where that happens works. And also as somebody who's currently watching Always Sunny for the first time, I like the jokes they play with those titles more. Like uh, Sweet D collapses, they're like, oh, she's fine. And then it cuts to the title, Sweet D has a heart attack. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they're also like the joke of like, this is the just the day and time that this, whatever they're doing is occurring is an insane time and day. Like it's 6 a.m. on a Monday and they're all like drinking beers <laughs> or something. And it's like always the most insane thing for that time and that day. Always sunny great uh so yes uh children also, of mort uh, uh yeah no toby uh, right before we begin i'd like to take back what i said about the old episode titles like it, them starting with lazy titles since day one all the titles were at least somewhat descriptive about what was going on until this season pretty much like claw and hoarder special rictims morty well you see it's because dragons have claws so <laughs> You know what they say, explaining the joke makes it funnier. Isn't that like the golden rule of comedy? That and the rule of 26. What if all rule of three jokes were actually rule of 26 jokes and you just had to sit there for all 25, <laughs> all 25 normal things to be named and then that one 26 thing is the joke? Somewhere Seth MacFarlane just quadrupled his net worth. It's like a tantric version of the rule of three. You think the rule of three is satisfying? Just wait till you have to wait through 25 <laughs> bullshit pieces of bullshit for the joke. I mean, that, I feel like that literally is a family guy bit. It's like, 25 of the same joke. Oh, and that's the episode. No time for the punchline. There's no 26 thing. They'll just do the 25-minute thing of nothing, and then no joke, and then fuck you. Which can be funny the first, like, three times they do it, but, like, the 30th time they do that, you're like, oh my god, fucking write a joke. Yeah, once it passes the 25th time they do it, it's no longer funny. It just ends with Stewie looking at the camera and going, ha, there is no punchline. You're the punchline. You sat there, you idiot. (laughs) All right, Childrick of Morty. What are we expecting? Literally nothing. We haven't. Have we seen any footage of it? No, but just based on the title. Well, actually, you know what? No, we can't base stuff on the title anymore because we know the titles don't mean jack shit. I can take a wild swing. Somehow, Rick and Morty's DNA get combined, and so it's a half Morty, half Rick creature, and it's super evil, like Children of the Court. And there's a lot of them. That's my guess. Fuck, that's a good pitch. This is why you don't jerk off in cornfields, Morty! Stop jerking off in cornfields! Yeah, you take, like, Morty's horniness and, like, craziness <laughs> and Rick's nihilism and inventiveness and they get put into one creature and it's just super evil. Like, this is why we left the planet that was on the cob, because I knew this would happen. <laughs> so basically um, you take the episode Raising Gazorpazorp and the one where they get all their toxins removed and you smash those two together, that's what I'm imagining. You should write for this show. I'm just going to guess that we're going to hold closer to the Children of Men title, so it's going to involve maybe those, like, worms in the Vindicators episode uh, sterilize all of Earth. So now everybody has Rick's level of nihilism. I thought you were going to say it'll have Children of Men vibes, so it's just Clive Owen brooding for an hour and a half. 
This has been the Daily Squanch, our non-daily Rick and Morty podcast. We want to thank Andrew Urban for joining us today. If you want to listen to more episodes, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we will be back next week to talk about uh, Childrick of Morty, whatever the fuck that is.